Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. For this half hour, we ask probably the most difficult question that there is in the Christian faith, which is, why does a good God, an omnipotent God, an all-powerful God, allow such suffering on earth? I think of this dear Christian woman by the name of Fran. My, she suffered before she died. I can think of a, a man by the name of Greg. Oh, for two years, he went through such horrible suffering. I think I said to him, I'd rather die than go through what you've gone through. Why does a good God permit such horrible suffering? Now, some people would say, well, the problem with, with Fran and, and Greg is they don't have enough faith. I think that is a shallow answer. Or maybe they'll say, well, the reason they suffer is they're guilty of some secret sin. Well, that's not impossible. Sometimes we do suffer because of our sin, but not always, which, which leads us to the story of the day, the story of Job. Job was an Old Testament saint who was, it says he was a blameless man. doesn't mean he was perfect, but he was about as blameless as a human can get, and boy, did he get hit. So let, let's, let me tell you the story of Job. If you've got a Bible, open up in the Old Testament to the book of Job, and let's learn all that we can from Job's sufferings. Let's pray first. Father, we want to pray for anyone who's going through maybe intense suffering, physical or marital or financial, whatever kind of suffering we're going through right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and speak to us and help us understand our sufferings. We ask it in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. First, let me just, just tell you the story. One day God is on the throne in the throne room and the angels come in. With the angels comes in the devil. And God says, Satan, have you considered my servant Job down on earth, a blameless man who fears me and obeys me? And the devil says, well, of course he does, God. You pay him well. Look at all of his wealth. But you let me touch his property and he'll curse you to your face. And God says, okay, devil, you can touch and destroy his property, but you can't touch him. And Job, uh, the devil destroys Job's cattle and his flocks, and then he sends and he destroys all of Job's children. And Job says, the Lord gave, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Scene two. God's in his throne room again. Satan comes again, in again. Have you considered my servant Job, the devil? You moved me to, against him without cause, and yet he has blessed me. Well, yeah, God, says the devil, but you didn't let me touch him. You let me touch him, and he'll curse you. Okay, you can, you can touch his body, but you can't take his life. So the devil goes and he just destroys Job with horrible, loathsome sores from the head of his feet to the bottom. I mean, just head to toe, just horrible stuff. And even Job's wife comes out and says, Job, why don't you curse God and die? 
And Job says, woman, shall we accept good from the Lord and not also adversity? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job in utter agony is sitting there and then his three friends show up and then the book unfolds. And at the very end of the book, Job get back twice of what he had at the beginning of the book. That's the story. Now let's go through it in more detail and let's learn from Job's sufferings for our own suffering. Would you take out your Bible? Job chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Here's the first lesson. It is smart to fear God. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you know the problem with the United States of America? Once upon a time, we were a nation that feared God. We don't fear God anymore in America. You know, we now have had 40 years of abortion since 1973. But I remember 10 years ago when we had 30 years of abortion, our liberal Star Tribune newspaper ran an editorial called 30 Years Since Roe Versus Wade, The American Way. And they talked about freedom of reproductive rights abortion being the American way. You know, tragically, that's true. Abortion is the American way. We kill every fourth baby. And, and, and do you know how many babies we've killed since 1973? Get, get your mind around this one. 56 million babies. You know, we are not a Christian nation. And you know what's even more tragic? The Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Presbyterian Church in America, the United Church of Christ, these Protestant liberal denominations pay for abortions with offering dollars in their church's health care plan. America doesn't fear God anymore, but the church doesn't fear God anymore. You know, you know one, one way I know we don't fear Years ago, you'd hear people say, oh, my God, now and then. Now you hear it all the time. I, when, I hear, when I'm out and about and I hear someone say, oh, my God, I stop and I pray for that person. I'm praying for people all the time now. We've lost the fear of God. Verse 2. Seven sons and three daughters were born to Job. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, very many servants, and that man was the greatest of all the men of the east. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, birthday, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When the days of feasting had completed their cycle, Job would send and consecrate them, rising up early in the morning and offering burnt offerings according to the number of his children, for Job said, Perhaps my sons have sinned and cursed God in their heart. Job did thus continually. Here's the next lesson. Care for your children's souls. The most important thing for Job is that his children are living in sin. I want my children to be saved. Job cared for his children's souls. You know, do you do that? Are, is your children, is their salvation the most important thing to you? I don't understand these parents who run to get Susie to ballet lessons and Jimmy to hockey practice, but when it comes to church on Sunday, well, that's kind of our day of rest. We don't go to church. What? I mean, here, here's a, a family that in the church that I served. They stopped going to church on Sunday. Why? Because that's when Jimmy has hockey practice. Well, could we set a priority, please? <laughs> Care for your children's soul. 
Now we're going to get a rare glimpse of what goes on up in heaven. Look at Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God, that probably means the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan, that word means the accuser, also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Here's the next lesson. Satan is not in hell yet. You know, people think the devil's down in hell. Not yet. He won't be thrown into the lake of fire till the last day. Right now, where is he? He's on earth. And it says in 1 Peter chapter uh, 5, Satan is roar, roaring around on the earth looking for somebody to eat, to devour. You know, so I remember, I think I was at a conference maybe, they were talking about clergy killers. And that certain people are put into our church to try to just destroy the clergy. And I thought, well, that's kind of overly dramatic. I don't want to think people are trying to kill me. But, you know, if, if there is a devil, he is trying to kill the clergy. <laughs> so uh, the, the devil is not in hell yet. Look at verse 8. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Here's the next lesson. We are on a cosmic stage. It looks to me from that verse like the angels in heaven and the demons in hell, or that are going to be in hell. It looks like heaven, angels, watch us down here on earth. We're on stage. One commentator said this, The primary purpose of Job's suffering, though unknown to him, was that he would stand before men and angels as a trophy of the saving power of God. In other words, the reason Job suffered on earth was to prove something in heaven that he had no idea was going on. I mean, when I think of that dear old woman, Fran, the Christian woman who had such pain before she died, maybe stuff was going on in heaven that we don't know about, that God was proving. They say, a private sin on earth is an open scandal in heaven. Meaning, angels can see us. When we sin on earth, heaven can see us. Look at verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Here's the next lesson. Satan's goal is to get you to curse God. I don't have cable TV, I just have regular TV. But why is the favorite Hollywood expression, oh my God, and something new has happened. I don't get cable, I just get regular TV. Well, Channel 29 here in Minneapolis has started to air movies, and they don't bleep out Jesus Christ as swear words anymore. They leave them in. Uh, so... Our, our culture now is starting to curse God because we're following the devil in America. Satan's goal is to get you to curse God. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that Job has is in your power, only do not put your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Here's the next lesson. 
Satan must first get permission. I remember an old pastor said once, nothing can come into the life of a child of God without first going before the throne to get permission. Let me repeat that. Nothing can come into your life unless it has first come before the throne of God to get God's permission to come into your life. So Satan now has his permission slip and he's going to drop his four bombs. Let's look at them. Bomb number one, verse 13. Now on the day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their older brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Bomb two. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Bomb three. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And now bomb four, the big one. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young people, and they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Here's the next lesson. Satan attacks our families. Job was a godly man, so Satan went after his family. If you are intent on following Christ, don't expect the devil to leave your family alone. I mean, I, I remember a far side cartoon of two deer standing up in the forest, and one deer has a target on his chest, and the other deer says, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. <laughs> well, if you are a Christian following Christ, you've got, a, you've got a, a target on you. That's why you need to pray for your pastors, the elders of your church, Christian leaders, because Satan comes after us and our families. Verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. Now, I think this verse and the next one are going to show us the four things we need to do when we're going through suffering. Job does the first one right here. It says he worshipped. I remember a dear Christian woman who went through a lot of pain. She's gone to be with the Lord now. But she said to me, because my lupus is so painful, I can't even pray I get in such pain. But she said, the one thing I do is I can just over and over say the word, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When you're suffering, what Job did, what she did, you worship as much as you can. Or you turn on Christian radio and you listen to it. When I'm depressed, I like to get out the old depressing hymns. Oh, love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. Or come ye disconsolate, where'er ye languish, come to the mercy seat, fervently kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. And the one I sing a lot, precious Lord. Take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I am weak, I am weak. You know, just sometimes when you're really down and suffering, it's just good to sing some of those old depressing hymns. The first thing to do when you're, when you're uh, depressed is you worship. Second thing you do when you're suffering is verse 21. Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. Second thing you do when you're suffering, 
you lower your expectations. That's what Job is doing. Look, I came into the world naked. I'm going out naked. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, you know, I think if you have real high expectations of life, you'll get hurt a lot. But if you lower your expectations, you won't get hurt as much. <laughs> I mean, what I thought of is when I'm at a stoplight, I rather have high expectations. Why doesn't that thing change? You know, the universe does revolve around me. And why is that? You know, there's one light near my house that's kind of like the eternal light. And I could just, but you know what? If I leave the house thinking, look, lower your expectations. There are long stoplights. I don't get so antsy. And, and, you know, this dear old woman, Fran, that I told you about, when she was dying, she said to me, well, Tom, my body is just wearing out, and I'll just have to accept that. <laughs> and you know what she was doing? She was lowering her expectations of life like Job did. Third thing to do when you're suffering, verse 21, Job said, The Lord gave, and the Lord, not the devil, the Lord has taken away. I want you to, the, the third, first you worship, number two, you lower your expectations. Third thing to do when you're suffering, you trust that God is in control. Uh, remember, remember when Satan is barking and biting his way into your life, God is the one that gave him permission. So God is in control of all of our sufferings. To me, that's a comfort. I don't want the devil in control of my sufferings. I want God in control. And then the fourth thing you do when you're suffering, Job says, blessed be the name of the Lord. So the, the last thing you do, you bless God. Something wonderful happens in this verse. Do you remember what the devil told God? Let me do this to him and he'll curse you. Job does the opposite. He blesses God when he gets suffering. And, and that teaches me something. When the devil tells you to do something, do the opposite. S Jesus called the devil the father of lies. So if you're watching television and they're telling you to do something, normally you do the opposite. <laughs> Let's look at verse 22. Thus, through it all, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. That's round one. Now round two. Chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God, the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? This, the devil answered the Lord, uh, from roaming about the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God, turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. Here's the next lesson. There is not always a cause for suffering. He says, without cause. I mean, I remember doing a funeral once and the lady came up to me, Pastor Brock, you know, why is God, you know, because my husband died, what is God punishing me for in that he took my husband? And I tried to say, that isn't the way it works. We live in a fallen world, and it's not necessarily that you get done, did anything wrong that your husband died. You know, um, when you watch many of these TV health and wealth preachers, there's, there's always a cause for your suffering, and that is that you don't have enough faith or you've sinned or something or other. Here it says Job suffered for no cause. There was nothing wrong with Job's faith. Uh, one commentator said this, Satan tormented Job not because of his sin, but because of his sinlessness. 
Job's trial was not for his sin, but for his sinlessness in order that God might prove and establish Job before the angels in heaven. Do you understand that? Sometimes you suffer not because you did something wrong, but because you did something right. <laughs> There's not always a sin cause to suffering. Sometimes there is, but not always. Verse 4. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand, God, now, and touch his bone and his flesh, and he, Job, will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power, only spare his life. Here's the next lesson. Satan, God holds Satan's leash. In, in this text, Satan is a dog on the leash. And uh, in chapter 1, okay, Satan, you can touch his property, but you can't touch his body. Chapter 2, okay, Satan, you can touch his body, but you can't take his life. And Satan is on a leash, and God controls how far Satan can go. And to me, when I'm suffering, that comforts me. <laughs> I, I want to believe God is in control of my sufferings, not the devil. Let's see what happens next. Verse 7, Job's 2, verse 7. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a potsherd to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. Then Job's wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Here's the next lesson. Satan attacks through our families. Whose side is Job's wife on? <laughs> She's trying to get him to do what the devil is trying. She's trying to get her husband to curse God. And if, if Satan can't get to you, he'll try to get to you through your family. St. Chrysostom, writing way back in 400 A.D., said this, Why didn't Satan destroy Job's wife in chapter 1 like he destroyed the rest of the family? It was so in chapter 2, Satan could use her as a tool to tempt Job. Satan uses our family to get to us. Verse 10, But Job said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. All right, look at verse 10 there and answer this question. Where does Job seeing, see the evil and the adversity coming from? The answer is God. So here's the next lesson. Job sees God in control of good and evil. Now, this is a difficult teaching. Some people don't accept this, but hear me out here. Exodus 4.11, God said to Moses, Who makes man's mouth? Who makes him deaf or dumb, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Or you've got this in Deuteronomy 32. See now that I, I am he. There is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and who give life. I wound and I heal. There is no one who can deliver out of my hand. In other words, God ultimately controls everything, even bad things. So I'm talking to this Christian man whose little grandson who just died tragically. And, and he says to me, what I wanted to tell you, I assured my son, God had nothing to do with the death of your little boy. And, well, I want to think God had something to do with that. I don't want to think the devil's running the universe or the chance is running the universe. Who knows what suffering God spared that little grandson by taking him early? You just don't know. Ultimately, 
when I'm in pain, I, I mean, I'll tell you what I thought of. <laughs> the pizza of death. The three hours that I've been in the most pain in my whole life, I went to this pizza place at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They were giving two-for-one pieces of pizza because it was late, and they were not good pieces, but I ate them both, and I went back to the office. I got so sick for three hours, I thought I was, in fact, I wanted to die. I was in that much pain. Now, when I'm in pain, I don't want to think the devil's running this or chances. I want to think, God, my Father, for some reason, has allowed this to come into my life. Romans 8, 28, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love Him. Not just a happy, good thing. God is working all things out for our good. Romans 8, 28. That's what comforts me. Look at verse 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of all the adversity that had come upon him, they each one came from his own place, Eliaphaz the Tiamite, Bildad the Shuhite, Zophar the Nemeathite, and they made an appointment together to come and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they lifted up their eyes at a distance and did not recognize him, they raised their voices and wept. And each of them tore his robe, and they threw dust on their heads toward the sky. Then they sat down on the ground with him for seven days, seven nights, with no one speaking a word to them, to him, for they saw that he was in very great pain. Last lesson. When someone is suffering, be quiet. Don't go in and tell them, you know, if you had enough faith, you wouldn't be suffering. Don't tell them, you know, there's some, you know, you just, you just be quiet and, and trust that God is in control doing things in the heavenlies that we don't understand. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to answer our questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with Him. We're really down to a short period of time, so I guess I'm going to ask the one big question, and then we'll go from there if there's any time left. Why do bad things happen to good people? Job was obviously mm -hmm. a good man. Yeah, and you know, Jackie, there was a book by the name of that, When Good Bad Things Happen to Good People. And the first thing I say is, there are no good people, even Job. He admits in the book that he's a sinner. So when something happens to me, I don't think, how could God do this to me? I'm such a good person. I'm a sinner, Jackie. I deserve hell. So bad things don't happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. But your question is, all right, let's say you're a Christian person, you're following the Lord. Why does God allow stuff? I, I think he does all things to drive us to Christ. Everything God does, he does us to drive us to Christ. And I'd add, Sometimes he does stuff because things are going up and on up in heaven that we're not aware of. Okay. And we don't have much time left, so I think what we're going to do is I have a couple more questions okay. that we'll hold for another show. Mm -hmm. We just want to thank you for being with us. I want to remind you at the end of the program when the credits and that are running, our website is going to show up there. If you want copies of shows or want to point people to seeing a show, check out our website, and that will tell you where the pastor's study is coming from and going. Thanks, and have a good week, and may God be with you until we're together again next time. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.